Man, it makes you want to get up and dance, don't you? Or is that just me? That's some good stuff. Come on, give the Lord a good clap offering. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Beautiful, beautiful. That picture is from uh, Jacob's CD that he has. He's, how many know that he produce, uh, produces music? Got that CD available? Praise the Lord. You can pick up uh, Jacob and take him home with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, open up the Bible if you have it with you, the Word of God, and to the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Take a look at the Old Testament here. See what the Lord has for us. Amen. You guys all came out tonight and made an effort. We might as well hear the Word of God. Is that right? Is that okay? How many need to hear a good word tonight? Huh? How many know that this is a good word? It's a good word. The book of Numbers, chapter 20. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to look at a key scripture, but I'm going to read from this passage here. And you can see it up there on the screen. The word of the Lord reads like this. It says in Numbers 20, verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of being able to preach your word tonight, dear God. And I pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts and speak to each and every one of us, Lord. I know you want to do something here. There's one here tonight that needs to hear this word. And I pray, dear God, that there would be a quickening of the spirit tonight. Speak to us and help us to be open, Lord. We thank you. Bless and anoint. Give me the ability to preach tonight, Father. I need you, and I ask that you do this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's a very powerful word a very heavy one, a very, what you would say, sobering word. We find that uh, Moses and Aaron are at a very special place in the journey, the journeys, the uh, wanderings, I guess you could say, of the children of Israel. The 40 years after they left Egypt on their way to the promised land, 40 years. It's a long time wandering through the desert. And they find themselves now very close to that time and that place when they're going to enter into the promised land. They're going to actually go in after all these years. But yet there's some problems there. There's some issues. And they're having to face making some decisions because the people are giving them a hard time. They're leading these people and they've been leading them for all these years. At this stage in Moses' life, he's already about 120 years old. Should be collecting retirement somewhere, you know, Social Security or something, you know. But no, he's he's still doing what God has has him to do. And uh, a very emotional time for both him and Aaron, his brother, because Miriam, their sister, had just recently died. So they had gone through a lot personally, and you know we don't we think about these individuals as biblical characters. These were real people that lived, and they were human beings, just like you and I. And so here they are at this place, and this place is called Meribah. 
And they've arrived there as a result of many decisions that have happened in life. They took wrong turns. And a lot of it had to do with not being obedient and following the leading that God was leading them to go. And not being obedient to the, to the man of God. So as we look at these decisions that they've made and arrived at this point, we think about our own selves and think about how we've come to wherever we are, whatever stage in life that we're at, whatever situation that we're in, it's as a result of millions, maybe millions, of decisions that we've made all throughout life. A lot of times we want to blame this one or that one as to why life is the way it is. And yet, it's a result of all these decisions that we made. Little ones, big ones, in-between ones. And it's the same thing here. They're dealing with these people that have made all of these decisions, and they're having to deal with the result of that. This scripture that I just read to you in verse 12, here we find the Lord himself speaking to Moses and Aaron, and he says these very heavy words. Can you imagine that? There you are, and God himself is speaking to you, and he's saying to them, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. How is that? This is one of the patriarchs. This is one of the fathers of the faith. This is the one that you know we look back to and we think about Abraham, and of course, we think about Moses and these individuals that are the fathers of the faith, leading the children of Israel. And yet God is saying, because you did not honor me in the presence of these people, you're not going to now have the privilege of entering into the promised land. What happened here? How did they get to this place? What is it, the turn of events that happened? The Bible says in Numbers verse 1, that this took place in the first month where the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed there at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried and now there was no water for the community. No water. And the people gathered there and of course they were in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses, and they said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. They're tired. They're thirsty. It's a real reality. And they even questioned the leadership. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, no figs, no grapevines, or pomegranates. And there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron, they're faced with these murmurings, these challenges. Difficult people, we say. Rebellious, stiff-necked. But I want to pause here and just to say, you know what? Hey. What if we were in that situation? What if we were wandering, tired, going through all of these challenges, and I'm hungry, 
and I'm thirsty. It's a basic need of life. I don't want to be so harsh to judge these people. They're human beings, and they've gone through a lot, and they're there at this place, and they're saying, what's up, Moses? What's up, Aaron? Why you bring us here? And what, are we going to just die? We're going to die. The livestock's going to die. Nothing to drink. No good food. So I don't want to be too harsh to judge these children of Israel, only to just say that we find ourselves in difficult situations also. Sometimes we get stretched to the max. And we wonder, where's the resource going to be that I need in order for to sustain myself, my family, my children? And we face challenging circumstances. And then we murmur. And we complain. And we even doubt. But this is what is happening at this point. And I wanted to just look at that. So what would you do? You got these millions of people, maybe about a million people, and they need leadership. They need guidance. They want your direction. Then give us some water. We're in the middle of the desert. There's no water here. What am I going to do? I can't provide for you something I can't just create it out of thin air. What am I supposed to do? How can I make it happen for you? But we're looking at you, Moses. You led us here. You get us out of this mess. What would you do? Well, Moses and Aaron, they did what they had been doing all along the way. Moses and Aaron, the Bible says, they went from the assembly of that crowd and they went into the entrance to the tent of meeting into the tabernacle that rolling tent that was their place where they met with God. They went in there and they fell face down seeking the Lord. Seeking the face of the Lord. Where do you turn when things get desperate? When things are so difficult and you ran out of all your resources, where do you turn? They fell on their face before the Lord. And the Bible says this, that when they did that, the glory of the Lord appeared to them. I love that. The glory of the Lord appeared to them because they sought the face of the Lord. They fell face down. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron you gather the assembly all together. Get all the people together. And I want you to speak to the rock and before their eyes and it will pour out its water. Speak to the, to the rock. Wow. What if God told you that? I want you, Danny, I want you to get up. You go over there in front of all the people and you talk to that rock. And water is going to come out of that rock. Yeah, God, really? That's what I want you to do. You will bring water out of the rock for the community and so that they and their livestock can drink. Wow. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together 
in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. This is what you want your shepherd to tell you, right? I've got you all together. Yeah, you bunch of rebels. Nice, kind words from the, the, the shepherd. Must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. And water gushed out, the Bible says. And the community and their livestock drank. Hallelujah. Water. And they drank. Not only them, but their livestock. Wow. Glorious. But you know what? There's only one little problem. God had a problem with that. It seems like, you know, it's the old, the old line, the end justifies the means. We, we got the water. We got the water. We're happy. We got what we wanted. The animals, we're going to be okay. We're going to survive. But because of that, even though they got what they wanted, God said, no, you dishonored me. You dishonored me in front of all these people. You dishonored me. You shamed my holy name. I didn't tell you to hit it with your, st your staff. I told you to speak to the rock. I didn't tell you to pound on it. I said, just speak to it. So you got what you wanted. But you didn't do it in faith. You didn't do it in holiness. You didn't do it in honor. We have an old line that we, we used to always say. Maybe you still hear it. It's like we, we hear people doing this and sometimes we do it. We're going to help God out. You ever, ever help God out? I, I do it all the time. When I don't think God's taking care of business the way I think he should take care of business, I got to help God out. You laugh. You do it too. He's help, they're just helping God out. I mean, that seemed too easy to just speak to the rock. No. Had to pound on it a couple of times. But God said, I didn't tell you to do that. Reminds me of the time when they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was falling to the ground. And the servant comes to go pick it up so it wouldn't fall to the ground and he gets struck dead who told you that you had the right to touch something that was holy did I give you that right to touch that holy ark of the covenant God has a way that he wants things done he wants to be honored he wants to be recognized as holy and he wants to be seen as there is no other way that something's going to happen unless I make it happen because I'm God and Moses you can't help me out and Aaron you can't help me out and that's what it led to this scripture where we read in 12 he says but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron because you did not trust in me enough wow you mean God wants to be trusted apparently so 
He wants to be honored. He says, you didn't trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. You didn't honor me. You didn't see me as holy. You didn't treat me as the righteous one. You didn't honor me as holy in the sight of all these people. And for that reason, you are not going to bring this community into the land that I give them. You know that Moses never was able to lead the people into the promised land. A whole generation, a whole generation died out. That whole generation of rebellious people never made it into the promised land. It was the next generation that made it into the promised land. Moses didn't make it. He died before he went into the promised land. And this was the reason why. It seems pretty harsh. If I'm God, I'm like, hey, you know, Moses has gone through a lot. I think that, you know what, I would cut Moses a, a break here. But God had a reason why he did this. He wanted something to be seen here. And the Bible says these were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. God is God. There they are on the outskirts of the promised land that the Lord said would be their inheritance. That beautiful land described as a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. Don't you just love that? We want to be in that land flowing with milk and honey. The Jewish people hoped that they would finally find their rest there after all their wanderings. Don't you think they'd be tired? Be looking for their lounge chair at that point. Want to relax? Find those grapes, those figs, those pomegranates, that land flowing with milk and honey. They're tired. But after 40 years of witnessing all these fantastic miracles, they did. We know the story. They witnessed tremendous miracles that the Lord provided. Deliverance from the oppression of Egyptian bondage. After 400 years, you know they were in Egyptian bondage for 400 years? before God raised up Moses to deliver them, bring them out of bondage? That's a long time. They saw the miraculous parting of the Red Sea. Imagine that. They saw that. They were fed by manna when they said there's no food. Manna, this flake-like substance that's something like bread that nobody knows what it was. Matter of fact, that's what manna means. What is it? It fell from the sky. God provided. God's heavy. He could bring bread to fall from the sky. And he could bring water out of a rock. God's heavy. Boy, isn't that an understatement. And then they were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And still, the people of God, when they were faced with another difficult trial that's right another difficult trial they complained and they murmured and they even threatened the man of God that he even feared for his life I'm going to get you Moses bringing us out here to the middle of nowhere we have nothing to eat nothing to drink and that's where Moses and Aaron found themselves in a situation where they knew that only the Lord God could deliver them from this trouble. 
You ever been in situations where you know only God can get you out of this one? Have you? Man can't do it. And man couldn't bring him out of that trouble. Only the Lord could bring water out from a desert rock to quench the thirst of the people and sustain the lives of their livestock as well. Only God. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there in the desert. And God says, I'm going to make water to come out of this rock. What is impossible for God? And so they did what they had done many times before. Moses and Aaron, they just simply said, let's go meet with God. We don't know what to do. We can't provide for them. Let's go meet with God. We need to separate ourselves and come into the presence of the Lord. Hello, somebody. So this is what they did. They went into the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and they had a prayer meeting. Wow. Now there's a thought. Why don't we have a prayer meeting? Why don't we all gather together and pray about it? Going through a trial, going through a difficult time, a challenging time, don't know what we're going to do. Why don't we pray about it? Well, no, I'd rather murmur. I, I, I'd rather complain. No, as a matter of fact, I would rather accuse somebody of why I'm in the mess that I'm in. Let's, I'd rather do that. Somebody's got to be responsible for this mess. The Bible tells us they went into the tent of meeting and they fell face down before the Lord. That's a beautiful picture. I love that. And they cried out to the Lord. They prostrated themselves before the presence of Almighty God. Amen? This is what men of God do. Women of God. Men, we're saying people of God. They look to the Lord. That's what, about, that's what it's talking about, having a relationship with God. They look to the Lord. They don't look to mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or, or, or tío or nina or this one or that one. They look to God. They look to the Lord and they have a relationship with God and they humble themselves before the greatest power in the universe. The very one who created the universe. The prophet, the priest, the king, calling upon El Shaddai, Almighty One, the great God, Almighty God. Cry, imagine that. Not looking to man, not looking to somebody else, but looking to God Himself. Seems easy. Not always that easy. But yet they were called to represent God to the people. And the people to God. That's what a priest does. You know, there's a great responsibility when you take on any role of leadership. A lot of responsibility. I know we might think about leadership in terms of the church, because we're obviously in church, and this is our spiritual community, our home, our family. But, you know, many of us are leaders in, in a lot of different aspects of life, Right? You're a leader in your home, in your business, in your ministry. 
there's a lot of very awesome responsibility to lead in a godly manner. It takes a lot to lead in a godly way. Because you have to look to the Lord for guidance on every situation. You have to look to the Lord. You have to get a sense of the leading of God and still tune in to that still, small voice. What is God saying? What, how is the Lord leading? And sometimes the way God leads is not popular with people. It doesn't seem that that's the way it should go. But there's a lot of responsibility because the man or the woman of God has to humble themselves before God. Humble themselves before God on a regular basis. You want to seek the Lord for guidance? You have to seek him in a humble way on a regular daily basis. I need you today, God. Yes, I needed you yesterday and I'm probably going to need you tomorrow, but I need you today. I need help today. I need guidance. I need wisdom. I need strength. I need courage to face the challenges today. And you know, in so doing, I have to acknowledge my faults. Oh, that's, that's sometimes difficult to do. You know, you come before the Lord, people don't want to come to even church because it's like they think, oh, you got to be holy and righteous to come to church. And I, I, I'm not even holy and righteous enough to even come into the church. You know, the qualifications for to be a Christian is, number one, you got to be a sinner. That's the first qualification. There's others. You know, being wretched, being all messed up, being lost, being confused, being weak. Being disturbed. There's a lot of qualifications. I found out I qualified. Hallelujah. I qualified. Thank you, Jesus. So I got to come in and say, Lord, I know I don't need, I don't deserve your righteousness. I don't deserve your holiness, but I submit myself to you. And yes, I'm a sinner that needs cleansing. I have to repent daily, regularly. Sometimes hour by hour, minute by minute. I have to repent. To, I have to humble myself before Almighty God. He's righteous. He's holy. He's pure. I'm not. My righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. But I take on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the only righteousness that I have. And I take on that mantle. And sometimes it's difficult to get a hold of God. Sometimes it's challenging. God says to you, I've called you, man of God. I've called you, woman of God. And God does not make mistakes in his calling. God does not make mistakes. The Bible says that the gift of God and the calling of God is without repentance. If he's called you, he's called you. He knew what he was doing when he called you. I wonder if Moses had that challenge. Say, why you have me here? Why you have me doing this? I can't even get these people to pay attention. I've led them and guided them and did what all you've given me to do, and they're still coming at me. 
They still don't want to respect. They still don't want to obey. They still want to walk in the rebellious ways. I wonder if he felt challenged about his calling. But he knew what he was doing when he called you. And he knew and even knew that at times you would fail him. But his righteousness is so good. We can trust in him because he has unfailing love. You know, in my failures, I can't look to man. Because man will look at me and, 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 and judge me harshly. But God will always receive me. He says, come to me, mijo. Come to me, my son. I love you. I love you. And I know that, you know, you might have messed up. You might have done some mistakes. But I love you. And yes, I hear your cry of repentance. I hear your cry that you don't want to serve the flesh, but that you want to walk after the spirit. The grace and the mercy of God. What an awesome thing. We serve a God who cannot fail. That would have been a good place for an amen. We serve a God who cannot fail. Moses got frustrated. He's a human being. He'd been leading these people for all these years, and he continued to try to direct them to the Lord and remind them of the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord. And so God answers Moses and Aaron even in this difficult time, even in their grieving that they had just lost Miriam. And uh, they even lost a whole generation of people. A lot of loss. But God had promised that that generation would not enter into the promised land. And even though Moses was old at that time, he and Aaron were the last survivors of that previous generation. And here they were about to enter the promised land. And all this takes place. God tells Moses, go and speak to the rock. Speak to the rock and water will come out. Sounds so easy. Water will just flow. Enough to quench the thirst of the multitude of people and, and their animals. But Moses did not speak to the rock. He hit the rock. Can't be a major problem, right? It shouldn't be that bad of a deal. The water came out. It accomplished what needed to be done. The people were satisfied and it, it kept the people from attacking Moses and Aaron. If I'm Moses, I'm, I'm happy with that one. But no, God says, that's not pleasing to me. You disobeyed me, Moses. You dishonored me. And you know why you dishonored me? Because you did not trust me. You denied me. The Bible talks about that even in the New Testament. That if you deny me before men, that I'll be, uh, deny you before my Father in heaven. Wow. That's pretty heavy. You did not believe that I could take care of you and these people at this hard time in your lives. And, and again, I acknowledge, it's a hard time. It's a hard time. And yet, isn't that when we need to trust God the most? When it's a hard time? A hard time in our lives? You did not honor me as holy 
in the sight of the people, yes, there's a crossing over that needs to take place into the realm of faith. The Bible says that very clearly. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Imagine that, trying to please God in any other kind of way other than with faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it is at our most challenging times of life where God desires to show himself strong in the lives. You know, it is when we're at our weakest that God does his best work. Oh, wow. Does any, can anybody testify that? When we're at our weakest place, God steps in and does his best work. He says, he says I'm near to the brokenhearted. I'm close to the one that's broken. I'm, I'm close to the one that's shattered, who maybe have, has lost their dreams and things have not worked out. And you might be on your last few pennies. I'm close to you. The wanderings of the people of Israel in the wilderness is the story of people everywhere who are trying to find their way in life without coming to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. People try to put the pieces of their lives together and find out that it's hopeless, it's useless, until you come to the one who is the author of life, the one who can give life, the one who can put the pieces together and give you a brand new beginning, a brand new life. There's only one who can do that, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the only one. This story is just a part of God's magnificent plan of salvation for those he has called. Wow. It's the beginning of the story of the coming of the anointed one. Listen to this. It was the Apostle Paul himself who referenced this story that took place here in Numbers. You find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You don't have to turn there, but listen to this. You can look at it later. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. He referenced this. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. You see, this passage here that we just read tells me that the rock represented Jesus Christ. It was an example of Christ in the Old Testament. And what does God tell Moses to do with the rock? Speak to it. It was a type of Christ. While the curse of God might justly have been executed upon our guilty souls, behold the Son of God is smitten for us. This is what we did to the Son of God. 
We spat upon him. We mocked him. We beat him. And we even crucified him. You know, the place where this encounter took place with the rock is called Massah. Massah is from the root Nasa, meaning to try or to tempt. And it means trial or temptation. Meribah means to rub or to chide, to quarrel, and means contention, chiding, strife. So another way to say or interpret the meaning of Masa is with the question. Listen to this question. Is the Lord with us or not? See, because that's where, the, where it all lies. The question is right there. When we face our trial and our most difficult situation, the question is, is the Lord with me or not? Am I going to walk through this with faith, knowing that God is with me in this? Or am I going to walk in it in doubt? Am I going to walk in it in fear? Am I going to walk in it in worry? Am I going to walk in it in anxiety? Am I going to walk in it in confusion? Is the Lord with us or not? This is the key. When you're going through your trial, I don't know what you're going through right now. Your challenge, your temptation. Are you going to go through it with God? Is God with you in this situation? If you walk into a difficult dilemma, a difficult situation, and you walk into it knowing, hey, God's right here with me. He's right here with me. I'm going to be all right. But if you walk into a, a trial, a situation, a difficulty, and we're talking about hard things, and you walk into it, I don't know if God is with me or not. Boy, that's going to have a big different effect on how you deal with whatever you're facing. Amen? You see, Moses' problem was not that he believed in God for his salvation, but rather, could he believe God for the salvation of his people? Every leader, hello leaders, every leader must come to the realization that ultimately the people who you're responsible for are God's people, and that he sovereignly reigns over all the matters of their lives. You get to that place where you realize, I'm praying for you. I'm believing God for you. I'm trusting for your miracle. But ultimately, you're in the hands of God. And, you know, brother or sister, this is going to be between you and Almighty God. And God's going to have his way in, his, in your life, one way or the other. The leader needs to get to that place of realizing that God sovereignly reigns over all the matters of their lives, all the people's lives. So when Moses had to come to that conclusion. These are your people. A father has to realize these are your children. A pastor, a priest, a leader, an overseer. 
These are your people. What's my job? To teach you the word. What's my job? To get you to encourage you to obey what God says. What you do with that, then, is what you do. Decisions. We're all in the valley of decision. Right? Nobody could make you do anything. I'm coming in for a landing. Am I over time? Jacob's ready to go. Ah, we're still early. But I am going to wrap it up with this. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to uh, Psalm 95. Take a look at that real quickly as I close. Psalm 95. The Bible says this in Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Psalm 95 is a direct reference to that whole experience. So the message here, I just leave you with this. Don't put your trust in human leaders. Put your trust in God. No human being can save you. When they die, they return to the dust. On that day, all their plans come to an end. Happy are those who have the God of Jacob to help them and who depend on the Lord their God. You know, the Bible talks about not trusting in princes. We look to man. Oh, if I can only find the powerful man, that strong one who can rescue me out of my dilemma. The Bible says don't trust in princes. They're going to go to the grave one day. The Bible says, trust in God and find out if he's true. If he's true, serve him. If he's true, love him. If he's true, honor him. Faithfully recognize that it is God and God alone who saves, and it is God and God alone who we deserve or who, who, who deserves to be served and worshiped. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. And I want to pray with you. Many of us are going through various trials and challenges. And my hope and prayer is that this message may have touched you and ministered to you in a way that you recognize. Father, I, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I ask, dear God, that you would begin to move by your spirit in a very special way in all of our hearts. I pray your blessing upon fathers tonight, mothers, those that have great responsibilities, those of us that are facing challenges, trials, those of us who are facing great temptations as we walk in this life. And Lord, I pray, God, that this word gets our attention and that we recognize, first of all, that it is you alone that can do a work. You alone rescue. You alone save. You alone can do those things that are impossible for man are not impossible for you. All things are possible for you, dear God. So, Lord, I pray you would begin to right now unlock our hearts. If we have held things inside that have separated us from you, I pray you release us from that right now. Release us from anxieties, from fears and doubts and worries and all those things, Lord. And help us to surrender to you right now, Lord. All of that, dear God, knowing that you are God and that you are in control of all situations, Lord. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. Begin to move in our hearts right now, Lord. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me tonight. And as the worship team plays some beautiful music, the altars are open. If you want to spend time with the Lord, if God has ministered to you in any way, I pray that you use this time to separate yourself with God. The altars are open for you. Because of you I can rejoice. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Because of you, oh God, help us. We need you, Lord. Breath. We need you, Jesus. I owe this we to need you, Lord. Hallelujah. For all that you do. Yes, oh God. Help us, Lord, to honor you, dear God. Move in our lives, oh God. 